This is the Bible teaching from the Apostolic Church, All Nations Centre in Kennington, London. Reaching the community in practical and caring ways. Here now is a timeless Word of God. In our time of prayer a little earlier, reference was made to things that are happening in our world. Libya, Morocco, those things are, are well known. We see them on our screens or read them about them in the paper. We understand there are tragedies being played out in the world, some known and some spoken, some known like the regional conflict in Ukraine, yet with global consequences. We know all of those things are happening. And I want to say that God is in the business today of raising up a generation that will be able to carry his purpose further into such a changed and dark world. Whenever the world seems dark, God has people that he wants to raise up. God has people ready to bring in from we do not know where, but God brings them in and raises them, much as he did in the day of Elijah and Elisha. And all of those heroes of God who thought that there was no one else, and yet God has many that he is raising up and preparing. I want to speak today about a new generation of people that God is raising up who will place their feet in the footsteps of those that have gone before. Those people will put their feet in the footsteps of others that have gone before. This is not a generational rivalry, but this is one generation that will walk with another and will see the purpose of God that has been entrusted to one for a season will be passed to another in a purpose. In a purpose that will see that in a darkened, corrupted world, the purpose of God, the love of God, the purpose and character and person of Jesus Christ will be made manifest in the times in which we live. I want you to come with me in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. And where we start to read today is right at the very end, in fact, the last day of Elijah's life on earth. Elijah had been a faithful servant of God. He had represented the word of God in his nation. He had carried something forward of the purpose of God into a world that didn't always want to hear what God had to say. Elijah had come now towards the very end of his mission. God had entrusted him with a servant called Elisha. And this is the moment where Elisha steps from the shadows, if you will, into a place of leadership as Elijah leaves. I want you to notice that there is a place of beginning. It is the place of Gilgal. It's verse 1 of chapter 2, 2 Kings. And here in this place of Gilgal, this journey of two men starts, two generations, an older one who is about to pass the baton to the younger one. And yet the two are walking together. This is a young man who has learned to lead by serving. Can I say to every young person in the room, anybody under 90, then you are young and you learn to lead by serving. Anybody under 90? Nearly all of us. But we learn to lead by serving. Don't resist the yoke of servanthood because it is in the yoke of servanthood that we learn to have Christ formed in us. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. 
and we learn to lead by serving, as Elisha learned to lead a nation by serving Elijah. He prepared his food, he washed his clothes, he washed his hands. All of those things that a servant would do, this man who was preparing to lead a nation did in readying himself for the role that was to come. Never think that you're too big to serve. Never think that any task that you're asked to do is beneath you. Recognize the joy of serving Jesus. Far greater even than serving your pastor is the joy of serving Jesus. Amen? And this journey starts in a place called Gilgal. What does that mean? It means that there is a place, a, a, a physical place, where these two men started their journey. They started walking from this place that was significant to them as there are places significant to us in our history. We think of places that we know, the mention of the name conjures up some fact of history that we, that we might know, and we recognise that something happened to change us or our, our nation or our people in those times gone by at that place. Gilgal was such a place. Gilgal was a place where in the time of Joshua, there was an encounter with God at this place. It was a significant encounter, and it was a secondary encounter following the experience of Israel coming from Egypt. It was the great hand of Moses that had brought the people out from Egypt. God had broken the, the wicked grip of Pharaoh from God's people, and Moses had led them out. This group of people perhaps three million in number. They came from their slavery. They came from their servitude. They came from their oppression out and they started a journey towards the land that God had promised to them. This was a journey that took quite some time. One of the characteristics of that journey with Moses was murmuring. They, if you listened carefully, if you were among that camp, you would hear the sound of murmuring the sound of murmuring, with all of that heavenly provision, with all of that manna raining from above, yet there was the sound of murmuring. Phrases like this, aren't there graves in Egypt that we could be put in? Why did you bring us out here to die? This murmuring that never adds to faith, always undermines faith, that refuses to see the promise of God being fulfilled before it's seen with the naked eye. And here are these people now, they're murmuring going on. They're murmuring going on. And here are these people now, freed from slavery, no more living in servitude in Egypt, no more the lash of Pharaoh's whip across their back, none of that, but the slavery was in here. The slavery was in them. They were no more in a nation of slavery, but slavery was in them. And if Elisha would lead the nation then the two generations who walked together must understand that their future was built on some common values. Those common values is that God sets the prisoner free. And people who are free in Christ are free indeed, which means not only do they not live in slavery, but slavery doesn't live in them. Not only do they not live in slavery, but slavery does not live in them. It does not shape their thinking. It does not shape their language. It does not shape their conversation. It does not shape their associations. They are free 
to rise to the highest level of God's purpose and to associate with those that will celebrate <coughs> that purpose with them. Excuse my voice, it's a little frail today. I travelled from Australia on Monday and I couldn't speak a word. My voice had gone completely. And so for three days I couldn't say a word and I promised myself, Pastor, that I wouldn't talk to anybody so as to give my, choice, my voice a chance to refresh. Of course, you can't just not say anything to anybody. You have to say please and thank you when people do nice things. And so when people did nice things, as they do on aeroplanes and airports, I would go, thank you. And you know what they all did? They all went like this. That's okay. <laughs> so my laryngitis instantly affected them, and I'm not sure why. But by the grace of God, I hope you can hear me. And I hope that as uh, my, the, the syllables I speak are heard, I pray that they will resonate in your spirit. Because these are things that are important in every generation. And, and particularly as I speak to older folks like myself, I know that you'll be saying amen. But I want to speak also to younger people, because I recognize that you are the Elisha generation. And you need to understand what Elijah knows. There are Elijahs in the room. Elijah's in the room. And Elisha's need to, to synchronize with Elijah and understand that there are some values that God wants to sow into every generation. One of the characteristics of these verses, and I'll be very quick, the characteristics of these verses are these, is that as the journey goes on from Gilgal, this place where God rolled away the reproach of slavery, it was there in that place that God visited this country, this, this people again, in this countryside experience. No more Moses who brought them slavery, but now Joshua who brought slavery from them. And as God brought them into this environment, there was the sound of a prophetic declaration. And every place where they went, the prophets would come and speak into their hearts. The prophets would come. God, stir up the prophets, I pray. God, stir up prophetic voices in our churches. Let the prophets not be silent. Let the gift of prophecy not be still. God, stir it up so that there will be a prophetic sound in the church and lived out from the church in the world where God has planted us. They came to this place, Gilgal, and it was there that they started their journey. The journey was much more than Gilgal. It wasn't just the place where they ceased to be slaves, either internally or externally. But it was a journey that that is the point of beginning. And they moved from that place, and Elijah said, come on, we're going from here, and we are taking the short journey, a walk, a, a literally a country walk. We're going to walk together to another place, a place called Bethel. Bethel was a place that they would know from their history that God met with Jacob. Jacob was a runaway son. He had done damage in his family. And there in his damaged relationships with his brother, brothers and others, he found himself a fugitive, a refugee, a runaway, and slept under the stars with his head on a stone. And it was in that place of his subconscious mind that God spoke to him in a dream. And as he woke from a dream, he saw something that he had not seen before. 
You'll know it. It's in Genesis chapter 28. He saw in that dream a reality that was foreign to him until that moment. And when he saw it, he could not unsee it. He knew that in that moment, God was real. God was present. God was with him. God was for him. All of the things that he believed were not true. God was for him, showing favor to him, wanting to restore his relationships, giving him a new destiny, a new name, a new character, a new way of living. God wanted to do that in his life. And as he woke up from this dream where God spoke to him, he saw in his dream God standing over a stairway or a ladder with angels ascending and descending. He saw this was the place where heaven meets earth and there are transactions between the two. He saw this in reality. He realized what a wonderful thing it was and he concluded, God is here, though I didn't know it. This is the very gateway to heaven. This is the house of God. He realized something that he hadn't realized before. And this is where Elijah and Elijah came together, the place where heaven is open. It's a place like this, a place where heaven is open, a place where God is present, where God is not distant, where God is not absent, but he is present to receive the praises and worship of his people, to receive the expressions of their hearts, but also to dispense favor and grace and salvation and healing, restoration, all that's needed. God is in the business of doing that when his people gather together. This place of an open heaven, wouldn't it be wonderful to live there? How many would like to live in a place like that? We all would and we all can, and many of us do. But it wasn't enough. Elijah said, come on, let's keep going. The prophets prophesied, and they knew what was going on. The prophets were not wrong, but God stir up the voice of the prophets. And here as they continued their journey, they came to another place. Again, it was a place of significance in their history. It was a place called Jericho, a place called Jericho. And there in that place in their history, Joshua had fought a battle as they crossed over Jordan River into Jericho. Their first, their first sight was a walled and heavily defended city that they could not beat by themselves. They had to have divine strategy. God brought them into a place of conflict. How many have ever found themselves in places of conflict? You know why God brings you to conflict? Well, you might conclude, well, God doesn't like me, so he just wants me to live in constant conflict. That's not the real answer. God wants you to live in victory. That's why you have conflict. You won't live in victory if you don't have conflict. And if you have conflict in your life, it's because God wants you to live in victory. And if you're slow to learn lessons, you'll have more conflict. And if you want to rise to higher levels of service and Christ-likeness, then I tell you, you'll have more conflict. Because God uses conflict as the point of transition between the level of glory that we're living at now and the one that he wants to take us to. You will not move without some catalyst, and catalyst that God often uses is the catalyst of conflict. James says this, Can it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face various trials, because it's in this that God is refining, he is purifying, he is testing your faith. He is causing you to be made more like Christ, purifying you. And it's trouble that, God, that is God's favorite tool. How many wish God would have a different toolbox? Well, he's got the toolbox that he's got, and he uses it on you, and he uses it on me, 
And there's not a person that is ever determined to follow him that God doesn't cause them to pass through these waters so that they will rise. So that as the tide of trouble comes in, those that belong to God will rise in faith and they will live at a higher level of glory because God has transported them from the lesser to the greater. And so this wonderful concept of conflict is there visited by these two men as they walk together. The younger, the older. The younger still serving the older, knowing that the older man, Elijah, is about to leave, and the younger one wants to touch base on every place of significance, not only in their past, but in their future. I want to tell you, young people, young people, as you look at your future, I want you to realise that you are not looking at things that have never been seen before. You are looking at things that God has done again and again and again in the past, but he will breathe on them in the future. And they will be new and fresh. They'll be renovated and you will live them out and lead people into them and see people come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So many people live at the first, if they live anywhere, they live at the first of those places, Gilgal. It's all about me. I'm no longer a slave. I'm happy here. How many have ever said something like that? It's all about me. I don't care about others. I just want to, I just want to live in a place that's free of slavery for myself. But the journey goes on because God has much more in mind than just you. God wants to use you to be one who will reach a generation. And every young person in this room, I want you to catch this in your spirit, that God wants to use you as a part of an army of Elishas that will carry something of God's saving purpose to a whole generation in this broken world. It was the third place that they came to, this place called Jericho, but it wasn't the last. For they came to one more place, and as they came on their journey, they continued along. And in continuing along, they, they knew the sound of the prophets was speaking to them. Don't you know that this is the day that Elijah is going? Yes, we know. We thank God for the prophets. Even if they say things that we know, we thank you for the confirming power of the word of God. Thank God for prophets who say things we've never heard and they also say things to confirm what we know. They assure us that we are on the right path as they did in that day. And they come to the last place and the place they come to is Jordan. It's kind of a, a, a picture back to a river that flowed and back in the days of early uh, of Joshua's leadership, they crossed the Jordan River and it was the line of demarcation. It was the leaving behind the past and stepping across the river into the land that God had promised them. This was their land and the instruction they were given by God is that they must possess it. This is a land that must not stay the same. You are not just going to become and short-term migrants into this country. You've got to change this place. You've got to possess the land. You can't possess the land unless you build on a place of freedom from slavery. The heaven is open. You have learned to live in victory. Therefore, you can influence and possess a land. And so as we look at what God was doing, he was making sure that the generation passed and the generation knew they both put their feet in the same place because the values of the word of God were relevant to both and they could not truly represent God unless they stood identically in those same places, sharing those values, those convictions. Possess the land. 
We look at the world that I mentioned before that our brother led us in prayer about. A world of brokenness, a world of pain, a world of conflict, a world of war, a world where people are suffering because of natural disaster. All of that is the world that we are living in. And you know what Paul says about such a world? It is travailing, that world. It is stretched by travail. It is groaning as it waits for something to happen. And it's waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. It's waiting for God's people to rise. It's waiting for an Elisha generation to stand up, to put their feet in the footprints of Elijah who's gone before and to carry God's purpose forward into the future. So that whatever this world is like, that there will always be a people who will point to Jesus and carry him into the community where we live. Elijah had one last conversation with Elisha. He said, is there something you can, is there something I can do, for, is there something you want from me? Is there something I can do for you? What is there that's in your heart that you would like as I leave you, as you remain, as I go up and you go on, what is there that you would like that I could give you? And what did Elisha say? I know that you know the answer. But he said very clearly, like others before, he didn't say, give me a lot of money. Show me the money. He didn't say that. He said, give me a life of peace and tranquility. He didn't say that. He, he asked for something that even Elijah thought was a big ask. Don't be afraid of a big ask. Ask God for big things. Ask God for big things. Dream big dreams. Hold on to high hopes. Believe for your family to be saved. Believe for your, your street to be saved. Walk down your street and pray for every house. Believe that God can do big things. He's done it before. He can do it again. And Elisha asked, you know the answer, a double portion of your spirit. Father, give me a double portion of your spirit. A double portion. I recognize that what you have done in the past, Elijah, is amazing. The things you have seen, the things you have done, the things that have come from your hand, that have changed individuals' lives and the life of our nation, we recognize how amazing that has been. But this is a new day. This is a new time. This is a new set of troubles. This is a new set of challenges. We are going to need not what belonged to yesterday, but we're going to need something fresh and new for the day that we are stepping into. What a wonderful thing. What a selfless thing. You see, he'd come on that journey. It wasn't about him. I'm free. No more a slave. He'd gone beyond that. It's about the open heaven. Wouldn't it be wonderful to live in a place of an open heaven? And it is. But it's not even about that. It's going beyond to live in a victory that can be shared with others. You know, the hallmark of Christianity, the hallmark of the life of God is sharing. It's relationship. It's fellowship. It's bringing others in to enjoy what you have. It's making what you have available to others. It's in the very, very Trinitarian nature of God who said, let us make man in our image so that we might share the love that we have. And we are not Christian and we are not living Christian lives when we shut ourselves up. What we have, our resources, 
or even our heart, shutting it up and just live unto ourselves. We truly express the heart and the life and the character of God when we share, when we commune with others, not because they deserve it, but like the grace of God, they receive freely what we receive freely first. I know time is precious and I'm about to finish, but I would love to pray as I do, particularly over the generation that I've called this morning, the Elisha generation. And I want to speak to you, every young person. Probably I won't stay with 90 as the threshold. I might bring that down just a little bit, just, just a little bit. But that, that sense of being young is a sense of having dreams, a sense of having an expectation of the future, a thankfulness for what's gone before, but an expectation of what's to come. And you can choose to live a life that is just unto yourself or you can choose to live the God kind of life that is actually lived in service to others, that actually brings the kingdom of God to the earth and reveals it through your language and your action, through your speech and your deeds, that you will do things that will change the world for people that you minister to. You will not do it without a double portion of God's spirit. You won't do it without anointing. You won't do it with words alone. They need to be God-breathed words. Let's close our eyes and pray together. Father, we're thankful for this place that we meet today. This, perhaps the greatest city on earth, and you have your people spread through this city. We thank you, Lord, for that, that we see all that there is, the lights and the glamour and the glitz and the noise. And yet you have your people scattered through this city. Lord, we are not afraid of all that we hear about or see. We see it as divine opportunity, the place of conflict where godliness meets unrighteousness. And we know that godliness will prevail by faith. And so we pray in the name of Jesus that the spirit of resilience that is in the Elijah generation will pass to the Elisha generation that the anointing that is on one will be manifest in double measure on the other. That, Lord, the heart to bring victory to a nation, Lord, will come into the Elisha generation and they will learn to lead by serving. They will learn to be not slaves in their thinking or their behaviour, but learn to live as free. People that appreciate the cost of freedom and don't waste it but they live out the values of freedom to serve God and his eternal purpose. I fa Father, I pray today that in the name of Jesus, the Joshua experience of Moses, the Elisha experience of Elijah might be manifest in our hearts today where the Elishas will respect the Elijahs and the Elijahs will release the Elishas. In, in our room today, if you're a young person, I'd love you to stand to your feet right where you are. If you're a young person, if you're 35 years or less, stand to your feet. Now, I'm going to pray for you particularly in Jesus' name. If you're not sure how old you are, just check your birth certificate, <laughs> driver's license or something else. Ask your mother if you're not sure. And uh, I'm, I'm praying towards all of those young people that are standing now. I know there are others in other parts of the building and we're praying for them too. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, for every young person, Lord, some in the back, some in the side, Lord, right across the room, these, these, these people who form something of an Elisha generation, coming from the shadows, as it were, where others have been prominent, and yet they will come from the shadows into greater prominence. Lord, not to push the Elijah generation out, but to serve that generation and to learn. And as they learn to lead, they will do it with the servant heart of Jesus. And they will go from those places, Gilgal, Bethel, they will go to Jericho, they will go to Jordan, and each of the experiences of those place, places won't be just monuments in history, but they'll be living realities of what it is to be no more a slave, what it is to be free, what it is to live under the smile of heaven, what it is to see angels ascending and descending and the ministries of heaven played out on the earth. They will see conflict producing victory and they will see possessing the land as their mission. And they will see themselves by the anointing equipped and well able to accomplish it with your help. And so I pray for this generation of young people. I pray, Lord, that every last one of them, every young man and every young woman, every boy and every girl, I pray, Lord, that they will know that they are called, that they are a part of a generation that has been called <coughs> excuse me, to a purpose. And that in fulfilling the purpose, they will glorify God and they will live fulfilled, overflowing lives, not self-centred, but sacrificially giving themselves to the greatest cause, that of Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please take your seats. Thank you for listening to God's Word. We are the Apostolic Church All Nation Centre in Kennington, London. Find us at Tyus Terrace, Kennington, London, SE11 5LY. Our telephone number is 0207 820 On the web, we are at www.apostolic-anc.org. All Nation Centre, reaching out to you in practical and caring ways.